This is Ibadi and X, and welcome to The Candid Frame. Before we start, I'm excited to announce the release of something new from TCF. I've just completed producing an ebook called Photo Essentials, a guide for understanding and mastering the key features of your camera. In this 59-page ebook, I cover what's often missing from your camera's manual, the when and why you might want to use a particular feature or control. The book covers exposure modes, metering, white balance, focus control, flash, and the difference between JPEG and RAW. Unlike a lot of material that's out there, I provide a real context as to when those features and controls can make a real difference in your photography. Along with the book, I've created over three hours of streaming video lectures that complement each chapter in the book. In these videos, I use my own images to reinforce the ideas and concepts that I talk about. It provides you a sort of an over-the-shoulder experience that you usually only get when you're attending one of my workshops. The idea behind the production of the ebook and the accompanying videos is to help expand what we do at TCF. The revenue we earn from this will provide us the opportunity to improve the show by increasing our access to photographers from all over the world. It it's also going to help us to take the next step with our video content, which I've recently started sharing on our YouTube channel. This is about getting the resources needed to take the candid frame to a whole new level and produce exceptional content for you to enjoy. You can help us by investing in Photo Essentials, which is being made available to TCF listeners at a discounted rate of just $59. So not only do you get the PDF and the streaming videos, but you also get to contribute to making TCF even better in the coming years. To take advantage of this special offer, go to the link in the show notes or on the website and use the promo code TCF2014. After a very long time, I sat down with a friend and fellow podcaster, Frederick Van Johnson, host and producer of TWIP, This Week in Photography. Frederick has been around almost as long as I have and has made TWIP one of the most important go-to podcasts that's out there. As he expands what he's doing with TWIP, with its new shows and even more new content, I thought it would be a good time for two old-time podcasters to catch up. All right, Fred. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. And um, two OGs talking. Um, <laughs> you know that that term OG. I don't know. There's there's like a Rubicon at some point that you cross and you become the OG. I don't know when I crossed it, but I'm happy to be there. <laughs> it, we're still around. I mean, we, uh, we, I think we started approximately around the same time. A year, give it a year or so. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it seems like. Like when we when we spoke last time, the uh, you know, I remember listening to your podcast before I even was thinking about being on a podcast, let alone running one like like Twip. So you're I feel like you've been you're the OG and I'm I'm the young Padawan. (laughs) Anyway, how does it feel to still be around? I mean, that's that's you know, everyone's talking about podcasts now and and. You know, it it has it's had its up and down rides, but how does it feel to to be where you are now? Considering that when you know when you probably got into it, no one really thought of what this was going to be in six, eight, much less ten years. Yeah, that's that's a great question. I think well, it feels good to to still be doing this, and I tell you, it's a it's an exercise in patient patience and sustainability, or or sustained patience, because it's a you know, like anything worth doing in order for it to really make a dent or it's kind of like erosion, right? You got to keep doing it over and over and over again. And I think that repetition is part of what separates the people that give up on podcasting and the people that go on to be, you know, somewhat successful at it. So, and for me, I think one of the reasons I was able to keep going at it is because I don't, I never looked at the doing TWIP as a chore or as a job or as this project that I had to finish. Uh, as I said on the show several times, TWIP is kind of like my therapy. You know, it's kind of mm. it's kind of like my opportunity to actually connect with people 
in many cases that are smarter than I am and more talented than I am on photography and pick their brains and ask questions that I wouldn't ordinarily as a non-podcasting person be able to ask. So you know, it's easy to keep going when it's something you love. So do you think the fact that you weren't didn't have a set goal with what you wanted to do with it, that you were just simply doing it for pleasure is one of the reasons you're, you're still around? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably the main reason. When we, when TWIP started, it was a, you know, it was a whim. It was a hobby. You know, Alex Lindsay and Scott Bourne started it way back in the day and they had no idea what it was. Podcasting was new and their, their personalities were and are that, hey, there's this new thing coming. We think it might have legs. Let's try it. You know, so mm-hmm. and then later on I joined and then, you know, ultimately, you know, as the story goes, took it over. But yet yeah, no one knew even when I joined and I was on the show and I took over the hosting duties of it. I had no idea what the what it could be or would be or anything. It was just, hey, we're just talking about photography and having fun. And hopefully we don't say the wrong thing and upset the wrong people. But we're just going to have fun with it. Oh, you're going to always upset somebody. Always. always. <laughs> That's a fool's errand the right there. The gets, the more people we upset. <laughs> well, at least you know you're doing something right. If, if you haven't pissed somebody off, then you then you got to change something up. Exactly. If they're not talking about you, then there's a problem. So how how has the show the show changed since you you've been on board? Because it's it's a long time. So yeah. and, and though the the focus is still on photography from your from your vantage point. How has the, the show evolved? It's, you know, it, it continues to evolve. And I think it will continue to evolve as long as it's going. And it, I mean, it's involved in terms of production quality. It's, in, it's evolved in terms of advertisers and the desire for the advertisers to, to be on the show. It's, invo- it's, it's evolved in terms of its own gravity and the, the photographers that we attract. For example, in the beginning, we were, you know, kind of canvassing to get people to interview and to be on the show and to host and all that. And now it's not that hard to, to get people to come on. So TWIP is getting, thankfully, to the point where it's easier to bring people um, on board. So it's evolved that way. And when I say quality-wise and production quality, we, this is like we're, we're not radio people. You know, the people that are doing the behind-the-scenes stuff or me or any, any of the co-hosts or anyone, we're not you know, these radio personalities that know how to do run a radio station and keep it on the clock and, you know, bounce to advertisers and all that. We're largely still making this stuff up as we go along. <laughs> so, you know, and thankfully, we're somewhat tech savvy, so we can we can pull it off. But and that's I think that's where the evolution and the, the fine tuning comes in, because each and every show we tweak a little something. You may not see it, but we tweak something. We'll make this segment longer. We'll delete this segment. We'll add more hosts. We'll reduce the hosts. We'll add an advertiser, reduce the advertiser. You know, all these kind of things. We keep playing with the formula to see if we can't get to, you know, kind of a Coke classic formula. Yeah, I think I think one of the reasons why the, why the show has, has, you know, persisted so long is, is there's a level of authenticity that, that comes along with it. And I think people appreciate that. And especially now with with magazines, you know, not being the, the forefront of where people get their information and now it being the Internet and all these, you know, websites dedicated to to photography like, you know, DP Review and Image Resource and so on and so forth. I think there's something to be said for a show where you where you're hearing real people and people that you feel you have you've come to know and trust giving you or, or information and, and providing you their perspective. And I think that's, that's really valuable. And I think that's one of the people, people stick around. I, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a subtle nuance or maybe it's not so subtle, but when, when I do the show, the, the kind of atmosphere that I have in my head of where we're sitting is, it's kind of a round table. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sitting, I'm sitting at a table having a glass of wine or, you know, soda or whatever with people that I like to hang out with. And we're talking about topics that we all enjoy talking about. And sometimes we're debating, sometimes we disagree, sometimes we agree. But it's a peer-to-peer kind of vernacular rather than a lecture. You know, I'm telling you about why this camera is better than that camera. Instead, we ask the question 
you know, or I ask the question to the to the other co-hosts, you know, why why do you think that's better? And why is this not better? And what about this law? Why why should people why should the government be regulating drones or why shouldn't they? You know, so yeah. we talk about those kinds of things on a kind of egalitarian level rather than this this preachy kind of tone. You know, when you first started, you know, you you were speaking into Mike and you really had no sense that that how many people were listening or if anybody was listening at all, right? Yeah. And yeah. so you you don't feel any reservation about saying whatever you want to say on the mic. Yeah. But over time you realize that you have a reputation, you have an audience, you have advertisers now that are listening in and for you, has that influenced, for good or ill, how you are in front of the mic? Yeah, it, it has. Unfortunately, I'm human, right? So, you know, the, the, we, are, we are products of our experiences. So, I, you know, for me to say, yeah, you know, all these different factors don't really factor into the way I think. They do. But I have to make a concerted effort to, to not be you know, to not sell out if it, you know, as it were. So if we, and we, we actually go through effort not to take certain advertisers on the show so that a, we don't embarrass those advertisers. If at some point we have to say something derogatory about their product or service. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, at the same time we when me specifically, when I'm talking about a different, a particular product, I really try to be genuine because if, if I'm putting on airs or trying to be someone else or, saying something that's disingenuous, genuine, then, you know, down the road, it's going to come back and bite me because I'm going to say something contradictory to what I said before. So for me, you know, it sounds it sounds cliche, but honesty and straightforwardness is the best policy. So when when we're talking about this stuff, I'm talking literally from the heart. You know, this is what I feel about this. And the Mm -hmm. show, the, the show will ebb and flow sort of based on, you know, I'm the host, so I get to, I get to guide, I get to guide the ship, but the show will ebb and flow based on my whims sometimes, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase. So for example, you know, what, a year or so, two years or or so ago, I got on this bandwagon of, okay, I'm going to switch away from DSLRs and move over to, to mirrorless cameras. So I talked about my journey in in that moving in that direction, starting from when I was just considering it through to the purchase and now through, you know, the different iterations of these various cameras from different manufacturers. So I talk about that stuff, not from the standpoint of, okay, I have to talk about this particular manufacturer because they paid money. I I made a physical choice to buy my gear from that place. So I talk about it. So and it's easier for me that way. Well, tell us about some of the changes because you've added some shows to 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 the network and you know, it's becoming a much bigger thing than just one individual show. Yeah, it it is. And it's uh you know, it's funny you say the network. That's it's exciting to hear someone say that because it was like I said, you know, when we started TWIF, it was a a show. It was an MP3 file, you know, enclosed in RSS feed. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that, that's it. And that's pretty much what it still is today. But as the show grew, there became the the need to, uh, you know, I, you know, I tighten it up, for example, because we had advertisers on there. So we had to sort of figure out how, when and where to put them in and edit them in and all that. But then over time, the show continued to grow and it continues to grow. So we kind of got to a point on the advertising side where, you know, it didn't make sense to add any more advertisers in there. You hit a kind of a tipping point where this week in photo would become this week in advertising. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so the there was a, either the choice would be either to just stop growing, you know, right now and just keep doing the show in perpetuity as it stands and only allow a certain amount of advertisers on there or listen to the audience. And the audience was telling us through surveys and whatnot that we love landscape photography. We love street photography. We love travel photography, etc. So we made the call to sort of split it out and bring on other talent on the show. And a lot of that was because ultimately, you know, I don't, I don't want to be doing TWIP forever. You know, although I love it to death, I have no illusions that I'm going to be able to do it for the rest of my life. At some point, if the show is going to continue going, it's going to, it's going to need to become a regular or a real business and operate exclusively of me. Mm-hmm. So and that's, that was part of the growth. So what I did was back in September, it, well, Leading up to September, September 13th was the official relaunch. But leading up to then, sort of retooled the whole thing out from the standpoint of TWIP being the base show of this network. 
and then spreading out from there, there's these other vertical shows that advertisers and listeners or advertisers can advertise on and, and listeners can subscribe to exclusively or, you know, they can subscribe to all of them. And that I think that was the right move because people seem to the you know, the, the fear. In fact, I spoke with Leo Laporte um, in Petaluma before we made the switch to get sort of his get his uh, his thoughts and, and some input on what to do and how to structure things. And one of the one of his thoughts were, you know, if you make this change, you you run the risk of of cannibalizing the TWIP audience over to the other shows. Mm-hmm. And my response was, that's OK, because they're still in TWIP. We're just spreading them around. <laughs> you know, they're still in TWIP. And arguably, we're serving those people better because now if they didn't if they liked TWIP to begin with, but they really, really liked it when we talked about landscape photography, they'll be better served if they subscribe to our landscape show. And, and, and that's kind of the way it went. So now we're at five shows today. Um, and probably by the second month in 2015, by the end of, you know, uh, February, March-ish timeframe, there should be another five-ish shows added to the network. And we'll top out probably around 12 shows total. But wow. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a big deal. <laughs> so what are the five shows you have now? So we have TWIP, obviously, is the, is the first one. Um, the interviews that I used to do and that I still do, I've broken those off into a separate feed. So that show is now called TWIP Talks. So that's separate. So that's two. Um, uh, there's a show called All About the Gear that's focused on one single piece of gear. And Doug K and I kind of dive into it and talk about the nuances and the pluses and minuses of it. And that's the third show. And we've got Street Focus, hosted by Valerie Jardin, and which is going like gangbusters. I had no idea that there were so many street photographers out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that show is just on fire and she's doing a fantastic job on it. So that's our fourth show. And then the newest show to the network is Rob Knight has a show called Your Itinerary. And it's all about travel photography and tips and tricks on how to travel be smart about your travel, packing, where to go, where, where not to go, and all those sorts of things. So, you know, you're doing all this stuff that revolves around photography. You're building this network that's all about photography and, you know, making this thing a business. So what's happened to your photography as a result? Suffered. <laughs> suffered. It has suffered. And that's, you know, it, you know that's, that's the, the double-edged sword of this. You know, there's only so much time in a day to sort of push the, push the ball forward and if you do one thing and you want to do it well, you can, you know, you can only do one or two things really, really well to excellence. So right now, yeah, the, I haven't shot much lately, though, you know, I feel like I feel like the pundit that's always talking about stuff that they don't get a chance to do. Right. So that's where it is right now. I am I am not shooting as much as I used to, but hopefully I'll get back to that. And the way that I plan on getting back to that is by incorporating photography into the show so or into the things that we do on twip for example creating tutorials and that sort of thing that are based around a shoot that i did that i'm able to do that way i can actually do the shoot and create content for the network at the same time so yeah it's tough you hit it right on the head that's the uh that's the the achilles heel to this whole thing is time you can't you can't do everything and do everything well I, I kind of knew the answer before I asked the question, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to hear you say it because <laughs> I could have oh, given exactly the same answer that you just gave. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's difficult. It's it's but it's I think it's in the end it's worth it because I'm building something larger, hopefully larger than me. And if I do it correctly and execute on the back end properly and put smarter people than me in place, then I will, uh, you know, at some point be able to have more time. You know, maybe it's a pipe dream, but the idea is I'll have more time in the future to actually break loose and go cool thing, go do cool things and travel and shoot and and have fun and actually be a photographer. Right now. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm running a network. I'm managing people. I'm I'm IT. I'm marketing. I'm sales. And I'm also speaking at events. So, you know, nowhere in there do you do you hear clicking the shutter. (laughs) But you had some interesting trips this past year. You were down in New Zealand with, uh, with Trey Radcliffe, and you mm-hmm. were in France, and I missed you by a couple of weeks. 
Yeah, I was following you on Instagram. I saw you out there. I knew I had a stalker. (laughs) (laughs) I saw saw one of your photos that you posted. You ran into a celebrity out there, didn't you? Yeah, a couple. A couple were out there. My wife is a celebrity magnet, man. Yeah. So, but but you got some time and go to go out there and 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 you know wear out some shoe leather and, and take some pictures. How was that for you, especially with you know two great photographers? It was great. It was great. I'll tell you, it was it both of them were were different, you know, and obviously not not because of geography, but you know, just the, they were different different events and there were different workshops entirely. So in New Zealand with Trey was. You know, first of all, there was just what I call beauty shock. You know, you land land on the ground in New Zealand and I expected, you know, the theme song to Jurassic Park to start playing or something. It was this is a beautiful sort of just completely different than California. So, you know, there was that. And I did get to shoot there, you know, and it was it was it was really refreshing being one of a group of photographers. But I tell you, the. I guess one of the the negatives of that is you're one of a group of photographers when you're out there. So you're, you know, you're kind of moving with the herd, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And when you're on your own shooting, you kind of set your own schedule and you say, you know what, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend six hours in that area shooting. And when you're in a workshop, you kind of, you know, you're kind of at the beck and call of the the schedule of the workshop. So that was great. And now that was true for both of for, for both uh, New Zealand and Paris. I went to Paris twice this year. I went to uh, went to uh, France with Valerie. And then I went down to the Champagne region with the uh, with the France Tourism Board to kind of look at some of the wineries or winemakers down there. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Yeah. Yeah. So I my I had my first real glass of champagne in Champagne. So I think <laughs> that, was, that was monumental. So, you know, the the whole photo industry is just changing. Yeah. And and I've been in, you know, I've been god, I've been in the game for 25 plus years. Yeah. Which yeah. is scary to think of. Mm-hmm. But I you know, it's I don't think even I was around for the transition from film to digital, but yeah. now it seems like the changes seem to be coming so much faster. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I'm older and slower. No, or, it's not. Okay. No, because no, you and I are r- probably roughly the same age, I think. And the changes are coming fast and furious. You remember back in the day with when Nikon released the F3, right? And it was a big deal. And then the F4 came out and that was like, you know, it was the clouds parted and sun rays came through because we got a new camera body with all these new capabilities. And around the same time, you know, give or take five years or so, that's when Adobe was, you know, releasing new versions of Photoshop every couple of years or so. You know, we'd get layers and now we have this new thing and now we have that, you know. But now, like, for example, with, uh, say, with Panasonic, for example, um, they release a new camera body. I don't know, like every six months or something. Yeah. So there's this, this wave. It's almost like the, it's almost like w- waves of water coming in and, and with new gear. And I think they've set these companies, not just Panasonic, but these companies have set this precedence and this this expectation that something new is going to be coming all the time. That the the user base, like you know us, we rarely have time to get used to a camera or fall in love with it because by the time we start falling in love with the camera that we have, it's already outdated and we start lusting after the next shiny thing. So, you know, yeah, so you're not wrong. No, that's a great point. Cause yeah, cause with the Nikon pro cameras, I don't know about Canon, but with the Nikon pro cameras, they usually used to come out about every 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a long life in between, you know, the next generation of cameras. But like you said, now they turn over so quickly and I think it gives rise to, like you said, the sort of obsession about the next next greater thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it it makes people, I think, a little bit paranoid about their choices, and yeah. I think that that's why you get so much negativity or vitriol on on some of these forums because mm-hmm. people feel like you know they made a decision and they don't want to be made to feel like they were wrong, right? And right. so I call that I call that Stockholm syndrome. Right. So, you know, so you get locked in, you get locked into the system and now you must defend your choices at all costs, you know, or, or, or be called wrong or whatever. So, you know, it's funny you bring that up because it's 
you know, I see that and it's, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just photographers or creatives, but we have this, this unnatural alliance to our hardware. You know, like we, we, and we defend it and, and talk negatively about everyone else's choices when, you know, we don't do that when it comes to our refrigerators or our stoves or <laughs> our vacuum cleaners. Mm-hmm. But our cameras, my camera is always better than your camera, no matter what, because it's my camera. You know, I don't I don't understand that, but it seems prevalent. Yeah, I've, I've you know, I was part of that, you know, years ago. So mm-hmm. I completely understand it to some degree. But now it's kind of like, let me just look at your pictures. Yeah. Can we not? <laughs> Can we not exactly. debate this issue? Because I, I tell people who ask me about what camera they should get, it's like you, you can't make a choice of getting a bad camera nowadays. They just aren't. Right. Uh, the cameras that are out today, if you compare them to stuff that was, was just three or four years ago, they're they're light years uh, ahead of stuff. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really drives me nuts is when I see uh, people making evaluations of cameras based on pictures made by bad photographers. Right. <laughs> it's like yes. just just hold your horses. That's not proof of anything. Except yeah. that this person's a crappy shooter and doesn't know anything about exposure. Yeah. It's like, you know what? That stove is horrible because this meal didn't taste good. <laughs> <laughs> I will never buy that model of stove because this meal was burned. <laughs> but that's kind of like what I like about what I do is that I get to stay out of that conversation. But yeah. Man, you're in the you're in you're in the in the in the, in the midst of the fire when you guys start talking about I'm that in equipment. So, <laughs> how do you contend with you know some of the messages that you undoubtedly get, especially when you started talking about moving over to mirrorless and you know all these people who are you know camped out in the D- DSLR camp are saying that's stupid. Yeah. It's full. It's full frame or die. Yeah. Yeah, which was the same argument that you heard when it was the move to digital was imminent, right? Mm-hmm. Like digital will never be as good as film. You know, of course not. You know, only real photographers shoot film. Everybody else is fake, you know, and now we see where well, that went. And, and God now, knows, everybody it, knows that real photographers only shoot glass plate. Exactly. No, real photographers only paint. <laughs> if you really want to be a real artist, you need to know how to create light from paint. You know? So, yeah, it is. Yeah, we joke about it, but it's the truth. But it, it, it kind of I think it's it's kind of converging in terms of being moot. Right. Because like you were like you alluded to before, this, this gear, even from the phones, you know, the images from phones and and you know, whatever device you grab are amazing these days. So, you know, the whole, the whole argument of only real photographers shoot this because the quality is better on this particular thing that's going away. And I think you hit it, you hit it squarely on the head where it's look at the work. You know, if you look at photographers work, if they can, if they can shoot rings around anyone with a cheap old, you know, Canon elf, you know, from from five years ago, who cares if they have a gallery show that looks amazing and they use that elf, that is their tool of choice. And they're able to make that thing do backflips. What do you who are you to say that they should be shooting with this other camera? Yeah. You know? But here's what here's one of the contradictions that I think that uh, that that you have to contend with is the fact that. I hear I've heard you said many time uh, on the show that, you know, it's not about the gear. But you guys spend so much time talking about the gear, mm-hmm. so it's it's how do you sort of sort of encourage that and not you know just feed into the you know the muck that is people who just want to fixate on, on arguing it about gear and and you know doing, getting into all of that negativity because one of the things I love about your show is that you guys have so much fun and so much positive, yeah. but part of that is is so rooted in that whole negative issue in terms of people wanting to feel like. In order for them to be right, somebody else has to be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because you have to look at take zoom out a little bit and look at it from the 30,000 foot level. Um, photography is one of the, if not the fastest growing hobbies in the United States. I don't know about the world, but at least in the United States and which is fueling all these camera manufacturers to put out more and more cameras. It's fueling the Lynda.coms and the Kelby's and the creative lives of the world to put out this training 
you know, you see ebooks and courses and all this stuff all over the place that are feeding into this growing photography monster. And TWIP feeds into that too, you know, arguably, because we, the, there's always new people. There's always a group or a crowd or an army of new people that have the same questions over and over again that we, we, we have to answer, you know, and we speak to them. And if a new camera comes out, by virtue of the show being this week in photo, you know, what happened this week in photo? So, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Fuji released a new XXX, whatever camera. So we talk about that particular camera, which invariably sparks the conversation of why is why should you even consider Fuji? And like you said, feeding into the gear conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not, you know, we when and when we say it's not about the gear, the the context of that is what I try to say on the show is like we were talking about before, you can create, as you know, amazing images with very little gear with, I mean, Ansel Adams, right? <laughs> you can, you can create amazing imagery and work with pedestrian and non-technical gear. But if you fast forward and look at where we are today, so, so given enough talent, you can create awesome stuff. That's a given. However, the argument becomes, but now we're, this is 2014, 2015. So we can, we now have tools to go even further and push the work even further. So though you can create awesome stuff with very little, the argument becomes, can you create even more and capture images that weren't before possible with gear that's available today? Like, for example, a DJI Inspire drone or something. Mm -hmm. Now you can go get different angles of the Golden Gate Bridge or Half Dome in Yosemite that you wouldn't have been able to get in Ansel Adams' era. So, you know, it's a, it's a catch-22, I think. You were doing before, um, doing like marketing or teaching people marketing. Was that right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. are you still doing that? Are you going to be transitioning away from that? Well, um, yes, I am still doing that. And so I created a company called Media Bytes, which initially was was – the initial charter of Media Bytes was it was going to be kind of a repository for training for photographers, you know, uh, kind of bite-sized training, hence the Media Bytes title of the thing. Um, and it was going to cover marketing training and social media and email marketing and all that stuff, but in specifically for photographers. But since we made this change on TWIP, I've decided to roll all that into the TWIP store and in, into TWIP itself. So... Over the next couple of weeks, there'll be a series of products that were destined to go on Media Bytes, and those will live on This Week in Photo. And all the customers that are in Media Bytes will, will be grandfathered into This Week in Photo. But the brand Media Bytes will continue on as a strictly sort of a uh, marketing entity and an umbrella sort of company for the, the freelance stuff that I continue to do in marketing. So you mentioned Leo Laporte uh, mm-hmm. earlier. Uh, how much of an influence and, and a mentor has he been to you with respect to what you've been doing with the show? Yeah, a lot, a lot. I mean, I look at I look at what they're doing, and I wanted to be, you know, very transparent with them, uh, the the Twit folks, when we started to go down the road or this path of creating a network, because I didn't want to come off in any stretch as trying to be a, you know, a competitive network to them. If in anything, it's a, you know, a small complimentary network to what they're doing. Uh, but I have immense respect for Leo and everything that he's built and, you know, his, the way that he handles things on the air, you know, I'm, I, I one day would like to be that good. (laughs) Yeah. But Leo, you know, I, like I said before, I spoke to them early on to get tips on, how to structure things and what to do, what not to do, tips on advertising, management, and all that stuff. And going forward, I, I, hopefully you'll see the, the networks get closer together, not in terms of a merger or anything, but just in terms of talking about each other um, on the air. So, you know, I know Leo, Leo uh, made a run at doing a show a while back, and I think he canceled it for uh, reasons that I don't know. But you know, so now on the Twit Network, there is a kind of void in the photography area. Hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll be able to step in a little bit and help fill that. So, how has your relationship with the photographic industry uh, evolved over the last couple of years? Because you know, when we're doing podcasts, you know, the big question is, what is what the hell is that? 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. now there's a greater understanding and appreciation for the work that you and I and other people, you know, who produce shows that are photocentric for these devices and then computers and all these other things. So how, how has that changed uh, for you? I mean, Twip, Twip has a, a, a large degree of, you know, I guess the, for lack of a better word, legitimacy in the photography space. And a lot of these companies were on their PR lists or, you know, we're, we're treated as press. So, you know, we get invites to things that they invite the Wall Street Journal and, you know, all these other entities to, which is great, you know, and, but we're still, when I say we, we're still only one person. Right? So mm-hmm, yeah. We can't do all this stuff, which is another reason for, for growing the network. But to answer your question, the, the footprint of TWIP has grown, especially to date. And, you know, as I mentioned before, going into 2015, it will grow exponentially. Um, it has grown to the level that we command a lot of respect, you know, and there's, and that's good and bad. I mean, it's good from the respect that we get glimpses into things that are coming out beforehand, you know, sometimes, and, you know, we get to play with gear on all about the gear early so that we can, you know, do our quote pseudo review. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, you know, the, the nuance on, on the twip side of things is we, we're not a news show and we're not a your typical review show, even on all about the gear. So we don't we don't feel like we have to break news. So if they're, you know, hey, we want to put you on our embargo list and tell you about this great new whiz bang thing that's coming out next month at Photo Plus or blah, blah, blah. That's that's not that exciting to us because we we typically want to be more of a punditry kind of show where it's out already and people are talking about it. Now, let's give our opinion of this thing. You know, mm-hmm. so the, there's less of a pressure to to keep secrets and to be in the know of the latest release of software or hardware from this particular company. You know, and it gives us that gives us uh, a level of, you know, leverage, I guess, is, is a good word for it, because we're not, you know, we're not the guys that are like, OK, please be nice to us because we need to be able to break that. So we're not going to say anything negative about you ever, because if you if we do, we'll be off of your press list. We don't necessarily need to be on anyone's press list because when it comes out, it's out. And now everyone knows and we'll talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's been, a, what have been, what's been one of the unexpected benefits of you know, being part of this revolution? Oh, wow. It's, it's weird. There's so many very nice. There's just like, so, you know, one of them is being invited to go to Champagne to kind of roam around the region just just so that, you know, they I think they invited me to go down there just to expose the TWIP audience and through virtue of me to the region in hopes that people would come there to visit and travel there. Because this is the France Tourism Board that invited me and several other photographers to to go there and several other places around France. So there, that never would have happened if I was just hanging out at home shooting and putting stuff on Flickr. Right. So mm-hmm. and. So things like that, um, things like relationships with different manufacturers in terms of speaking engagements and and going different places, that kind of stuff is it's tangible. I mean, you have to you have to be careful and pick and choose about, you know, or I have to be careful and pick and choose about the things that I accept to do. But it's just amazing to me that from something as you know, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's from something that I do from sitting right here in my little home office and home, I can generate these ripples that result in these kind of these kind of opportunities that come in. Plus, the other piece of it was it was really clear when I went to Photo Plus just uh, in October, the you know, I was speaking in the Panasonic booth and or doing interviews actually in the Panasonic booth. And after each interview, I'd get these this group of people, you know, various people would come up and say, thank you for doing TWIP. I love what you're doing with the network and, you know, all these different things. And it it sounds weird. But like I said, I do the I do the show from this dark room in my little home office. There's no studio audience. There's nothing. So, you know, I have very little tactile contact with the audience. And when I do, it it takes me back a little bit because I'm like, oh. Well, okay, people are listening to this thing. I better uh, better tuck my shirt in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's uh, it, those are some of the some of the side effects, I guess, of of doing a show like this. And what are you most excited about? We talked earlier about all the changes that are happening in the industry, but what's the what's the thing that you're having a chance to talk about, or you're anticipating you're going to have a chance to talk about 
that really is exciting you about photography? And it doesn't necessarily have to be about equipment or some, or it could be just, you know, just an observation you're making in terms of what's happening in the world of photography, but whatever it is, uh, it'd be great if you would share it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things. I mean, you know, gear notwithstanding, it's, I think the thing that's most exciting to me is what I call uh, multimediography and that, and it's not new, but it's, it's kind of the idea that being a photographer or a still photographer or a videographer or a cinematographer or a graphic designer or a, a sound design person, engineer, you know, all those things or molecules of each one of those people are now going into one entity. Um, and the old days of shooting and delivering a, a sheet of negatives and a contact sheet are kind of behind us. And now we're able to capture multimedia and really get a nuance of the situation that we're, that we're presented with and present it from not only a still, still photographic visual standpoint, but also motion and audio and text and all these things that you can synthesize together to make something larger than the, than the individual parts. And we can do that all, you know, with the stuff that's in our camera bags now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's really exciting to me and to see where people take that. And, you know, we, we're seeing some people do interesting things with time lapse. We're seeing slow motion now. We're seeing just different ways of, of telling the story that aren't just still photos. And it's exciting. I mean, cinemagraphs and, and motion portraits, all that stuff is exciting to me. So how are you defining yourself now when people ask you inevitably, what is it that you do? What it do depends you on who's asking. Yeah, so <laughs> it really does. I mean, at a, at a high level, I'm just a photographer. You know, I, when someone asks me, what do you do? I'm a photographer. Oh, that's exciting. You know, but if it's in a, in a business context, I say, well, you know, I run a, a photography podcast and we talk about this, this and this and this. And I'm also a photographer. But the, the basis of everything is just I'm really just a photographer. I just happen to be doing other things. I'm I am that multimediographer, I think. And one of the things that I've just been pushing really hard on for a long time is the podcasting aspect of it. You know, there's other photographers out there that are pushing on the video aspect of it and they're on YouTube and they're, you know, doing other things. But I am, uh, I think, at, a, at my core until until I uh, move on, I will just be a photographer. So you're using uh, mirrorless. You've transitioned. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a big uh, point of conversation uh, on the show and, and elsewhere. It is. Um, it is. Tell me about uh, making that choice to transition from there. Uh, I know you've talked a lot about about the program, but now that you've had the chance to sort of live with the decision, and I know, yeah. so w- w- tell me about that. It's it's it was a hard decision, I, I tell you, because I've been shooting a Baronex for a long time. I mean, I've been shooting since I've been shooting professionally. I say when since when I picked up a camera, I call it professional when you're. You know, you're shooting for money. And that's when I was in the military, I was that was my job. So I was a professional photographer. And that was 1989. So shooting as a professional photographer since 1989 is a long time, considering we're in 2015 almost mm-hmm. right now. And, you know, the the change from going from the heavy DSLR or even even considering going from a different format, even to a different manufacturer from Nikon, which I've been shooting since the beginning of times, Nikon, even considering going to a different manufacturer took a lot of research, a lot of effort, a lot of faith, a lot of bugging friends about their choices and, you know, all that stuff. So I, I did not take the choice lightly. It was not a, you know what, I'm going to go to B&H and buy a different camera. You know, it was, it was, a, uh, it was a, a wrenching kind of decision. And I still have my DSLR gear and lenses here. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a... Uh, you know, that that decision was hard. But when I did finally pull the trigger and make the decision, for me at least, and I think I've heard a lot of other photographers say this, for me, it was it was almost like experiencing photography new again, because it was, okay, now I have all these other capabilities that are available to me. So not only do I understand photography from, you know, the f-stop shutter speeds, you know, composition, you know, all that stuff. You know, I understand that. But now I have it was almost like you remove ankle weights from it because now I can see the image 
and see my exposure before I click the shutter. I don't have to click it and look at it or even rewind back into the film days, you know, click the shutter and then go process the film, look at it and then go do it again. Now, I, even before I click the shutter, I can see it. And then mm-hmm. with with technologies like the focus peaking, I can see exactly what's in focus. There's no guessing. I don't have to worry. I wonder if I if I was focused on the eyes in that shot. You know that you're focused exactly where you're focused. So those sorts of those sorts of things and being able to, you know, not that I do this a lot, but a lot of photographers do this. You can add effects and, you know, those sorts of things at the point of capture. I typically don't do that, but the main thing for me is that live view and being able to see the image through the lens before you click the shutter and then of course the obvious the obvious benefit is the the weight savings and carrying around a much smaller bag with you know the same amount of lenses and and you know as i get older it makes makes much more sense yeah so when this this whole thing that you're working on succeeds and it provides you a a a solid foundation in terms of income and business what would be the result, the best result that you would love to see in terms of an opportunity related to your photography, what would a day or, or the ideal week be that would manifest as a result of all of this work that you putting in uh, really paying off? Yeah. I mean, I think that's an interesting question because that, that, that presupposes that there's an end to it, you know, and I, you know, I, what was the book that I read? Four Hour Workweek. You remember that Timothy yeah, Ferris? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So you know, not, there's it's a controversial book, and a lot of people don't subscribe to what he says in there. And I, I subscribe to some of the things and some of the some of the methodologies he teaches in that book. From the standpoint of, from a high level, if you do what you want to be doing, there's no concept of retirement, right? You just keep going. You know, you just, you know why, why stop doing things and, and draw a line in the sand and say, oh, it's over. You know, like where, where things were a year ago today, I had no idea where they would be today. And a year from today, I'm sure market forces, industry changes and trends and opportunities and all these things will come about that change the direction again. And I think it's the, the smart people that, see those changes and react to them and make changes. It's the, the companies that get, you know, obsoleted, like the, you know, Polaroids and those kind of guys that kind of go away because they did not change with the, with the times. That's what I would like to avoid. So for me, like on the, to put a fine point on it, on the TWIP side of things, you know, you fast forward several years and, you know, let's say TWIP is, is organization now and it's, you know, it's, it's up there and it's got weight in the, in the industry and, you know, it's a respected news source or punditry source at the very least. And, you know, there's people running it. I would like to be at a point where I can take a step back from it or even take a step out of TWIP and start something completely new. Mm-hmm. You know, taking what I've learned through the years on This Week in Photo and hitting the ground running and start something else, you know, and build that up and then just keep going until, until they plant me, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy sitting on the front porch that's, you know, that's bored. And, you know, I don't, I don't think I can see myself doing that. You know, I, I think I see myself doing this kind of thing that I'm doing right now for, for quite a while until I just can't do it anymore. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend uh, one photographer for our listeners to discover and explore, and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? You know, I think I would have to say, uh, you know, the first name that there's, you know, I know tons and tons of photographers, but the one that pops into my mind when you ask that question is Karen Hutton. Um, so Karen Hutton, if you haven't, if you haven't, seen her work yet. She's a landscape photographer. And that's one reason why I respect her immensely because she's a landscape photographer and I'm not. So people that can see scenes and pull things out of scenes that I would just get a snapshot of, I have amazing amounts of respect for. But also because she, you know, having spoken to her on a personal level, she is just a genuine person, right? There are no, she's a lot of people, a lot of photographers have ulterior motives or, you know, they're not really genuine and you can kind of see that there is a facade there mm-hmm. with Karen. She's just a normal person that just is driven to take pictures. Right. So there's a drive to take pictures. 
And then uh, if I could just throw one other one in there. So there's Karen Hutton and then the one that, uh, so Karen has been shooting for a while. Um, kind of a new entrant into the space is a photographer uh, by the name of Renee Robin, you know, R-E-N-E-E-R-O-B-Y-N. And she catches my eye because she is a, you know, I interviewed her on This Week in Photo and she has that almost tortured artist thing going on where she said in the interview that it is painful for her not to create art. So she has art that's in her and it's forcing her to to let it out or to get it out. And she's a she's a, a composite artist. So she'll go out and like I think last week or so she was in Hawaii getting background shots for some composites that she wants to do and and that sort of thing. So those those kind of people that are true artists that sort of feel it inside and is are not copying other people. They're just it's almost like a pain that they have to they have to somehow fix by creating and sharing with the world have my immense respect. So where can people go to find out more about you and all the stuff that you're doing? You can find out all about me at thisweekinfoto.com. That's where all of our shows are. And we've, uh, we've got a little subscribe page up there at thisweekinfoto.com slash subscribe. That's where all the, we can subscribe to one or all of the shows. And uh, my personal site is at frederickvan.com. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. It's been way too long, and let's not wait so long to do it again. I promise we won't. You, you know, you, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. You have to come on this week in photo. My pleasure. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners like you. To help support the work we do at TCF, please take the time to make a donation via PayPal for $10, $20, $50, or more. Your contributions have helped to make the show what it is. I'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com, and our music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.